Hollywood is rated LGBT Radio, starring your host, Rob Watson! Welcome, welcome, welcome to this installment of Rated LGBT Radio, and yes, I am your host, Rob Watson. Um, today, we have another great show lined up for you, maybe one of our best ever, um, not to, to set expectations, but this should be a great one because we have somebody on who is not only talented and intriguing, but is a trailblazer within the history of the LGBTQ movement, um, probably the best-known transgender man um, in America and potentially the world, um, and the first that people met in their homes and began to identify. Um, he is a New York Times bestselling author. He is a film producer. He has danced across the screens in Dance with the, Dances with the Stars. He um, has even discussed penises with Larry David. He is arguably, like I said, the uh, most well-known transgender man in America. He is Chaz Bono. And today we are going to be talking to him about his new film that he is executive producer of and um, has a character actor role within uh, called Bury the Bride. Um, And no, it is not a fun little um, Broadway musical. Um, It is more in the horror genre. Um, but in both the classic sense and with new elements, and we're excited to talk to him about that. Um, before I bring on Chaz, I do need to go to Brody Levesque. Brody is the editor of the Los Angeles Blade magazine, uh, supplies us with breaking news for our show here, but also supplies you with breaking news on the LA Blade every single day, and you can read that at LosAngelesBlade.com. So let's uh, go quickly to Brody, and we'll find out what is going on in the world today. Hey, Rob. Hey, Brody. Hey, good afternoon. Breaking? What is breaking? <laughs> Lots of things. Uh, first thing right off the top, uh, for those of you that live in the state of California, Governor Gavin Newsom announced earlier today the state has launched a hotline to report hate acts in the state of California. So if you see something, please report it. You can go to caversushate.org or call the hotline, 833-8NO-HATE. That is 833-8NO-HATE. Callers can receive assistance in over 200 languages. And the state of California is taking a very, very serious stance uh, on hate, which now brings me into the headlines. In the state of Florida today, a Senate Bill 254 was sent to the governor for his signature. Senate Bill 254 is a gender-affirming ban on gender-affirming care, excuse me, gender-affirming care ban. Uh, This bill will overrule even a parent's right uh, to seek life-saving care for their transgender children. It also criminalizes care that would be provided by doctors, uh, and this is going against the guidance of the major medical organizations across uh, the country. Um, 
I was sent this from Equality Florida. This is from John Harris Marr. John is the uh, public policy director for EQ Florida. And the statement reads, this bill painfully shows Governor DeSantis's Florida freedom farce. It is an assault on medical freedom and the freedom to parent. After weaponizing the state's Medicaid agency and the Board of Medicine against the trans community, the governor's surrogates have now rammed through legislation to override parental decision-making, jail Florida doctors following best medical practices, and force adults to jump through government hoops to access their daily medication. This entire crusade is about political aspirations, but it also has real-world consequences for Florida's families. Now, this particular bill, Rod, is number 18 this year. So Florida is now the 18th state to pass a trans medical care ban. Now, currently, we have, I believe at last count, 12 of those bills are tied up in court. In one case in Missouri, it wasn't legislation. It was an emergency order issued by the state's attorney general, who's a major transphobe. There's no other way of putting it. Uh, they also would have banned medical care for trans adults. That one is tied up in a St. Louis County circuit court, state court. However, I've heard from the American Civil Liberties Union that if need be, they'll take it into federal court. A spokesperson for the National Center for Lesbian Rights told me not even an hour ago on this Florida legislation I started off with, they intend to challenge it by adding in uh, an amendment to uh, a legal case they already have in a U.S. district court on a similar matter that has to do with banning of transgender care for minors in the state of Florida. In another regard, they're going to ask the court for an emergency injunction to hold this up before it gets to the governor's desk, and then this thing will get litigated. Um, like I mentioned, there are now 18 states in the United States uh, last count, we have another 12 considering it. That roughly out of 50 states leaves half of the United States uh, trying to ban transgender care for minors and in some cases for adults as well. Now, we had some polling that came out yesterday, and this was from the Scripps uh, News Service UGov poll. This was released Wednesday. And According to their poll now, and I know it's a poll, so take it for a grain of salt, but it showed that four in 10 Americans said that they would support laws that would restrict and or ban transgender health care for minors, even with parental consent in their state. 34% said that they would oppose such measures. So essentially, you know, what we have is one in five respondents uh, saying they don't know, and the rest of them are saying, yes, let's do it. It's a pylon. Now, again, the poll sampling on this, okay, is only 1,000 people. So it's kind of a smaller, you know, survey study. But when you have 44% of that survey study saying they support these anti-trans laws and you only have 34% saying they oppose it and other 12 going, I don't know, those numbers statistically extrapolated out for the rest of the country do not look good. Um, so that was the Scripps News Service poll yesterday. I've had ongoing conversations uh, with Health and Human Services. Florida, by the way, has passed some other onerous trans legislation in addition to this. Uh, one bill that passed is a bathroom bill, which is even uglier uh, than North Carolina's. Now, 
a question was raised, and I will raise it with our viewership. This ban, uh, bathroom ban in Florida essentially would mean that Admiral Rachel Levine, this is a four-star admiral. She's the Assistant Secretary of Health and Human Services. She's a uniformed member of the U.S. Public Health Service. In other words, she's a federal official. If she was to go into the long bathroom, okay, under this law in Florida and say Orlando at the airport, theoretically she could be arrested for that. This is a federal official, okay? So this is just this is the kind of extremism that we've gotten to and it's just it's on it's an on their ongoing thing. I've had three states, including Florida, that have passed laws okay that will allow doctors and insurance providers to refuse care to LGBTQ people, in addition to just the trans issues. Texas right now, as you and I are on the air, just about ready to talk with Chaz, in the state of Texas, in that Senate right now, there's a fight over yet another trans health care ban. And I heard from Landon Ritchie, who's been a guest on the show. And, of course, right. uh, Landon, Landon is, you know, just an amazing young activist. Landon has let us know that, you know, it looks like that one's going to get run through. That makes Texas number 19. That bill is just as restrictive as Florida's, as Oklahoma, as Idaho, and Montana. They are criminalizing health care. So if you're a physician and you're providing gender-affirming care, and you're in one of these states, okay, you break the law, it's a felony. This isn't a small thing. This is a big thing. So what you're looking at is that these politicians in the Republican Party have decided that they're just going to declare war, okay, on the trans community. But it's not just the trans community. There's also bills that are being sent to DeSantis and these other governors that ban our books, ban our drag, Okay, and are trying their very best to make sure that we don't get talked about in classrooms. Florida just expanded its don't say gay law. So now we're looking at the fact that every GSA and every public school in Florida is probably not going to be able, okay, to continue to operate. And this is summed up in one thing and one word. It's erasure. That's exactly what this is. You know, I'm the editor of one of the largest gay publications in the United States. And I'll be honest with you, I'm angry. I'm actually beyond angry. And it's just because well, of all this nonsense. Yeah, I I am uh, I am furious as well. I have a different word for it besides erasure that I would put on it. And the word I would put on it is fascism. This is fascism. And it is the beginning of something that we do not want in America. This is all being done for political reasons. Nobody really believes the, the bullshit that is being put out in terms of any kind of danger behind trans people, drag queens, any of that. This is being used by a political party to stir up its base and stir up hatred. And like anything else, if these rights, are diminished on on people that are not you and i'm speaking to our listeners um that and you think you don't have to worry about it you do because this is the beginning of fascism and we need to stop it and we need to not let that happen because history can and will um reproduce itself well i've got one more thing before we go i got one more thing before we go to chess 
um, this morning, Anheuser-Busch's CEO, uh, Michelle Dukukas, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, uh, told investors, or her name correctly, I'm sorry, told investors in an earnings call that Bud Light's partnership with the transgender social media influencer Dylan McBaney was, and I quote, not a formal campaign. This was the result of one can, Dukukas said in a video call. It was not made for production or sale to the general public. It was one post, not a formal campaign or advertisement. Okay. Anheuser-Busch, which is owned by the Belgian firm InBev, the parent company of Bud Light, the conservatives have lost their minds. I mean, that idiot Kid Rock actually took a machine gun to a couple cases of Bud Light. These people have just completely lost it. Okay. Bud Light has lost huge market shares because apparently it is the favorite beverage of the redneck community. And I'm saying that intentionally. The, the problem is, though, it goes to the larger issue. Instead of having a spine in defending our community, oh, no, we can't do that. Oh, it was a one-off, wasn't intended as a campaign, you know, doesn't happen. I'm sorry, but that's just craven. Right. Just craven. And spineless, yeah. and yeah, you know, Anheuser-Busch, I never liked your product anyway, and I've got even more reason now not to ever touch another one. That's the news. <laughs> there you go. Well, and I have, I have one other item that I do want to bring up, though, and it is in the uh, Los Angeles Blade currently, and that is this Sunday is an opportunity in, in a small way to fight back. Um, there is a telethon being put on. It is called Drag Isn't Dangerous, and it has like a hundred, and I'm not exaggerating, different celebrities and artists um, from Oscar winners to Broadway stars to comedians to um, the, some of the best-known drag queens in the country. All will be participating in this telethon. Um, the details are in an article that I wrote. Um, on the Los Angeles Blade, uh, check that out. Um, get the link for twenty dollars. You join the telethon. Um, you know it should be a huge, huge, spectacular. Um, as of the time we went to press, over a hundred thousand dollars had already been raised um, prior to that that publicity going out. So um, it is one small way um, to work back. And thank you to Trixie Mattel for um, retweeting my tweet on it and getting even more visibility around it. So that is happening as well. Okay, Brody, thanks a lot. And now, um, without further ado, um, Chaz, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, our our pleasure. So... um, First, just pivoting off of what we were just talking about, um, you've been a trailblazer in the transgender community, um, in LGBTQ visibility, fighting for rights and visibility across the country. What are your thoughts on the the land we are living in right now? Yeah, I mean, I don't have a lot of um, positive thoughts. Other than we know, we honor negative ones too. Yeah, no, I just try not to make myself crazy anymore. You know. I, I um, hear you. 
Yeah, I mean, I I spent so long in in activism, and and so yeah, I just for my blood pressure's sake. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't blame me one bit. So you're um you first and foremost are an actor, and um probably one of the earliest revelations you had about yourself was back, I think it's in your high school days, when you were going for acting part. Um, can you tell us about that, what what that was like and what, I, what occurred to you? Something's probably got a little, something's got a little, I'll tell the actual story, I think I, I, something's gotten lost in the translation. No, I, um, I went to performing arts high school in New York, uh, it's called LaGuardia now, and uh, was a drama major and um, ended up, you know, deciding to to do a different career, um, in, in you know, than acting because I I realized at a certain point that I couldn't really play uh, female parts. Uh, I didn't know I had no idea at the time why or what the problem was, so I just kind of stopped acting. But that's that's the actual story. Right. So so the 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 when when you uh, after years later when you came back into acting and started playing male parts, what what was the feeling and what was the motivation within you? I mean, how well, how it's, you know, easy was is, it to connect? Is a job where you, yeah, acting is a job where you really have to feel comfortable in in your body to do it well. So. Um, you know, I could have I could have never done that until after transitioning and and um and then, you know, it was you know, then I was on the same playing field as everybody else, I guess, and was able to finally, you know, pursue doing what I've always wanted to do with my life. And what um kind of taking you back through your journey because I, one of the things with with who you are um when you came out as trans and identified that way i would say and i'm going to i do not have a scientific study on this i'm just going to say common sense most people in america had never met or or become familiar with a transgender man before you um right yeah did 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 that give you a sense of responsibility um, you have been described by people who have have uh, vested in this themselves, but as being one of the most courageous people um, that they know. Um, speak to what what you consider that courage, and do you see it as courage? Um, yeah, I mean, I think at the time it was really hard for me to see it as courage because I had known that I was trans for about ten years, and it it took about that long just to get to the courage to transition. Um, I guess I now know that that's unfortunately really common and it's probably going to get, you know, more common um, the more that, you know, we're, our community is suffering the way that it is at the hands of the Republican party. So, um, but so, yeah, at the time it was, you know, I didn't really look at myself as courageous. I still don't. Um, I just was doing what I needed to do to take care of myself finally. 
which I think that's if if you talk to almost any courageous people, that's that's kind of what it, it's sort of a second nature thing where they do what they need to do and don't realize that there are a lot of people who can't step up to even that. Yeah. You were quoted at one point in one of your gazillion interviews you've given over the years as saying that you hated your body since puberty um, back then. If And, and yeah. obviously you didn't have the foresight at that time, but if you had and, you know, the the some of the medications that they are giving kids now to delay puberty were available. Um, do you think that would have made a difference for you personally if you had been on those? Oh, absolutely. Time? I mean, look at I, I. I for ten years I worked with a. I facilitated a group for trans youth uh, for an organization called Transforming Family that is a local Los Angeles group. So I've seen at this point hundreds of kids transition. Um, and what's happening is is terrifying. It's you know it's only going to cause just massive suicide among trans youth for the for the parents that can't get their kids out of those states. Yeah, I agree. It's like it's. Um, I mean, I relate just from gay and lesbian youth and coming to terms with who we were and who we are. But um, the the elements of being trans are so much deeper, and quite frankly, even more vilified. I it's like the the amount of vitriol that is being put out now. Um, I never thought I'd see something as intense um, as as what we went through back in the day. Even even going for marriage equality and all those different um, landmarks. Right. Uh, you know, uh, talk to me though about acting itself because you you've done so many things. Like I said, you're a best-selling author. Um, you produce films. You you know you dance, which by the way, I think you're an awesome dancer. Um, you know, and <laughs> Thank you. you know a whole a whole bunch of things. Yeah, no, it's like saw a video of you dancing solo and going, oh my god, Broadway, hello. <laughs> um, but. What what is it that you love about acting in particular? Um, I I love I mean I love playing really you know characters just as far away from myself as possible. Um, I think that's probably why I like like working in in horror a lot. Um, you know I I like uh, you know I'm a, I'm a character actor so that's what I, I I just you know give me a part I can kind of disappear in and and. And that you know you won't recognize me. That's <laughs> that's what makes me happy as an actor. Yeah. Well, and your work is uh, I've loved seeing you in, in the, a variety of things. Um, I have to say one of my favorites though was the part you played on. Um, and, and forgive me, I'm probably blanking on the exact uh, soap opera. I think it was Bold and the Beautiful. Um, oh yeah. Where you were a minister. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, the, I played the minister, scene. and then I went and and robbed the brother of of the guy I married. That was that, that was actually quite fun. <laughs> oh my God, that scene yeah. was so because you were so impish and cute, but diabolical. It was like everything all at once. It was that was awesome. Yeah, what, no, what it was really that was. 
go ahead. Between are you going to say between soaps and and everything? Soaps are I I got so much respect for for people working and on soaps because it's just it goes so fast. I mean you you really get like a take unless something else mess you know unless either somebody messes up a line horribly or there's a technical difficulty. Other than that, you just are like okay great we're moving on and and that was kind of amazing. I mean I remember the first scene I shot was this wedding scene and all these people and, you know, we did it once and they're like, okay, great, moving on. And I was like, no, wait, I can do it way better. <laughs> Give me one more take. Nope, we got everything we needed. We're good. We're moving on. Well, so, clearly yeah, they're, you, are, they're, are, you, have the, you have the ability of a one-take actor because <laughs> I, think, I think you nailed it. Um, yeah, so it was that, was that was fun. It was a fun part that they ended up, you know, writing for me and and um and I yeah I had a good time working with all of those those guys and I'm I'm pretty much happy like I'm I'm the kind of actor that I just I'm happy on set so you know I can find something that's new and interesting and different pretty much in every character I play and and um and I'm just you know happy when I'm when I'm working I know you have, um, and you've talked about this publicly, that, you know, you are not seeking to play trans roles, even though you did on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Um, That was kind of a rare step out for you, playing actually a trans man as a trans man. I, I actually really support your viewpoint on that, just because when I've seen trans actors and actresses, um, like in Pose, there were scenes where the actresses were making reference to the fact that they, quote, unquote, looked trans or people recognized them and called them out for being trans. And I'm looking at them going, you look just like you are, women. <laughs> it's like, I see you yeah. as women. I don't, you know, I would never, I would never have pointed you out and said, oh, that's a trans woman. Um, and right. that is what I find exciting of our trans talent is playing the gender you are, not the transition. Um, what what was the exception for you to step out for Curb Your Enthusiasm? Um, you know, because it's not like a hard and fast rule. It's just there's, A, I don't get asked to audition for a lot of trans parts at all. I can think of maybe one or two others. Um, and uh, so it wasn't like an ex- – I mean, I, you know, I got asked to do a thing on Curb. It's a show I've watched forever. So I was so excited to, you know, to audition for that and, and to book that part. It's just, you know, it's not my it's not my go-to um, at this point. I mean, I, I like – because I like playing parts that are really – far away from from myself uh you know i definitely would play you know i've talked with with uh chrissy fox who who i made bury the bride with and and we're starting our you know producing and i'm in their next film and and you know we've talked about at some point maybe doing something trans because i think that you know horror is just such the perfect genre to show the assault that's happening to the trans community in a different way. 
So, like, I'm definitely interested in stuff. It's just not, it's not the career I want is to just be limited to playing a certain type of character. Yeah, nor should you, because you do, Yeah, the characters you've played have been so poignant and, and diverse and um, really pushing the envelope. Um, so I, I definitely want to go to uh, Bury the Bride. Um, it was a film that was written by Chrissy Fox and Spider-One, directed by Spider-One. Um, how did you come to be executive or producer of this film? So I had been looking for a while and, and actually really been encouraged by my manager to start um, trying to, you know, get with people and create content. And, you know, it's just, it's it's so hard in, in our business to work. And uh, and so that was kind of the way he was like, you got to, you know, you got to start creating stuff because it's just, it's so hard out there. So I've been looking, you know, for partners and, and projects and stuff to get involved with. And um, Chrissy and I met, we have, we have the same manager. So that's how we ended up meeting. And we, you know, kind of immediately hit it off, had a, had a really um, similar, you know, taste and, and stuff in, in horror. And, um, and, you know, we started talking about just producing producing film but specifically horror horror is really it's kind of um it's it's one of the safer you know if you're going to do genre stuff it's it's a really it's one of the safer investments in the movie industry right now so um so anyway i ended up you know talking to to her about it and and talking about my interest and and bury the bride just you know kind of they were planning on doing something else, I think, and, and Bury the Bride was an idea that Chrissy had come up with, wrote the first draft, shared with Spider, and I think they thought it would be, um, you know, something that they could kind of knock out quickly, maybe in between something. And um, and I just, I really loved the film. It was just the, the script when I read it, there was just a lot of, you know, interesting stuff there. I really, I liked the, the character, the the relationships between the women in this film, I love the end of it. Um, I just, you know, I liked some of the, the themes that it looked at, and uh, I really wanted to be a part of it, and that was so, you know, I ended up coming on board and bringing in some money and, um, and uh, you know, uh, being a producer for it. Yeah, it's it is um, what. Well, First of all, it is riveting. It's a riveting film, so um, not not for the lane of, uh, light of heart. Um, you know, it it uh, there there was a point where I got so gripped, and it was like, oh my god! Um, and it comes at you in very unexpected ways. Which, if you've watched a bunch of horror movies, that's kind of hard to do at this point, but it does, <laughs> and and succeeds at it masterfully. So. I have been accused of overthinking movies, so forgive me if I've done that here. But to me, I saw this very overlying allegory above the film between toxic masculinity and women and toxic masculinity coming after women and even to the point where the title, even though in the film it has a very specific meaning in the film – but even bury the bride in a 
more global sense is sort of how society has absorbed women where they get married and then they disappear, you know, traditionally, right. you know, behind the man and in, you know, um, you know, in the background and no longer taking center stage. Um, is that off base or am I overthinking it? I think, I mean, I, I, look, at, I definitely saw the, you know, the, 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 the toxic masculinity, which it is quite toxic in the film and the, the struggle against these women and these women, um, you know, banding together and overcoming whatever, you know, things they're going through to fight, to to fight. And I really like that. I know that, you know, for, for Christy, a lot of it came from, um, you know, for her, the, the place is, you know, was the relationship between the sisters. And that's really, you know, she has two sisters. And that is where that really came from, that kernel of this, you know, love between these two sisters, you know, regardless of what, you know, kind of stupid bullshit they might be dealing with or, you know, stuff that get, get into, sisters get into. Ultimately, it's this is about love and, and an older sister trying to, you know, who's always cared for her young sister. And, and um, you know, then that was kind of the, the thing that started this off for her. And, and, yeah, and kind that, of the guys that's were, evident. Yeah. came from, yeah, and I think some of the guys came from her, you know, her brother's friends and stuff. I mean, not the, I don't think the toxic masculinity <laughs> per se, but just, uh, you know, these kind of, got, you know, these men who are, are hunters and, um, you know, those those kind of guys are really super outdoorsy, you know, super macho kind of guys and and uh, and that's kind of you know what she 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 grew up on on, on Vancouver Island so it's like a, a really weird place to kind of grow up with that so I think that's you know the core of it for her came from from family but um, but yeah I think those themes are for sure in there yeah it's and it it, it has all the elements it's like even from the fact that you know, um, women who are attracted to the wrong kind of guy, and they, the guy might right. be toxically masculine, but there, there's something about that that some women, you know, find refreshing and escape into it. And then the relationship between the women is dynamic, and um, you know, it's not, you know, two note. It's very um, complex. Of you know, they yeah, fight, they sure. make up. They're, they're the sisterhood that is there. Um, now your role um, is pretty quiet. You do have one big poignant time in the film where you were, um, where you talked about your character's backstory and everything else. Um, yeah. How, how was filming that particular scene? Because it really gave you the, the range of emotion um, in that one scene. Yeah, totally. And yeah, I, I felt like, I got to make the most, you know, I mean, it would have been too much if, if Puppy was like that all the time. But when you get to talk once, you can kind of, you know, chew up the scenery a little bit. So, yeah, I was like, I got I to gotta suck what I can out of this. And, um, and you know, Chrissy was, Chrissy and Scout, but really Chrissy, while we were filming, it was giving me so much and was so, you know, kind of playing it so aggressively that it was, 
you know, acting is so much reacting. So, um, you know, it was fun. It was, it was fun to do and fun to shoot and, um, and really exciting. And it was, when you don't talk a lot on a film, it's always really funny because then you finally do. And I had like random two guys <laughs> coming up to me going, wow, you're really good. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we should let you talk more often. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Well, how, yeah. Well, how, you know, you did mention something just now that, that is actually kind of intriguing because a lot of the parts that you've played, get to these really over-the-top moments, like in American Horror Story, and you masterfully ride the edge of over-the-top, but not so much that it becomes unbelievable or camp. It's like you stay within the realms of reality, but it is full. How do you manage yourself, you know, to not do too much? Well, sometimes that's the, you know, you're counting on your director for that. Uh, you know, you're going to be like, look, I'm going to try something bold here, but, you know, you let me know if this is going to be too much. And then, honestly, I think, you know, the, where I studied, I was really, you know, lucky. I had some great teachers and the studio that I studied at would just throw you curveballs all the time. Um so you'd get used to being able to readjust, you know, very easily and stuff. And I think that just, you know, set me up so great for, again, and, and then kind of me figuring out what I like to do, that I do like the the bolder stuff and I'm, and I'm good at it. It just, um, so yeah, I think it was kind of a combination of that, really, you know, getting with some great teachers who pushed me to, to, to be big at times because you always think you're being bigger than you really are. It always feels bigger than you see it. And it's like, okay, no, that, that's, that works. Um, and, um, and, and also a lot of the parts I've taken have just been, they've, they've, there's been really good stuff to, to work with. Absolutely. And, and, but I, I do think that comes so organically and, and watching you, it's, it, it feels organic, um, and the situations are pretty outrageous. I mean, it's, it's, you know, trying to – it's like a lot of actors connect to, like, you know, oh, I have a sad scene, so I'm going to think about when I lost my dog and all that. Yours are not right. things that, you know, theoretically, hopefully, are not in your personal experience. Right, don't happen. No, I mean, I do. Yeah. I remember preparing for, for, you know, having to cut off my hand and – American Horror Story, and it was definitely, I was like, yeah, yeah this, you know, thank God is, you know, not of life experience in, you know, at all, and so those type of things are a little harder when it's so out of, you know, the the norm, but, uh, you know, you just, at that point, kind of have to use your your imagination and just be as real in, in those moments, and yeah, I think you know, for me, that would be, you know, I think if, I mean, certainly I, I, I've played stuff where I'm, you know, very kind of average, but I, I do love those scenes where you're writing right on the edge of, you know, this is big, but it's, but you're, you know, it's working because it's grounded. I, I kind of love yeah, that. I love those moments as an actor. 
Yeah, and they're they're very thrilling to watch as well because it's it's you're taking your audience along with you, and um, and it it is that thing where you know as an audience member you're watching and you're waiting for it to break, and if it does, then you're going to pop out of the everything. You'll you'll you know sit back from the story and and not be um, carried along with it any further. So it's it's really an admirable thing. Now, I want to pivot Thank a little you. bit. Now, again, you executive produced this, and you uh, you produced um, the documentary as well. Is producing something that you want to do more of in the future, or is it more, you know, a way to take hold of your own acting opportunities and career? Yeah, I think yeah. I mean, for me, it's that. It's it's a it's a way to to be able to to take some control and to work. Because sometimes you just, you know, you can just be waiting and, and you just want to do something. You want to do it, you know, you want to do it, you want to do it now. You don't want to um, have it take years. And so, um, yeah, I mean, producing, I loved, you know, being a producer on Bury the Bride. Um, like I said, we're we're in pre-production for our next film, um, and uh, so I'm, I'm, you know, going to be producing that, and also, also in that, and so I do. Yeah, I definitely plan to continue producing. Yeah, no, that, that I mean, that, that is, I mean, that is a way to to own everything, the narrative and and your your direction. Um, can you give us a hint as to what the next production's about or anything about sure. it? Sure. Well, is that all under wraps? I, I mean, it, I I can give you a teeny little hint. I'll say that it's going to be really, it's very different. It is, um, it's um, it's it's really about kind of the theme of of that is about parenthood, really, and and um, you know, protecting your kids and stuff like that. Oh, cool. This is Little Bites, right? This is Little Bites, yeah. <laughs> okay. I I know a little bit about it. <laughs> so, yeah, that sounds that sounds um really awesome as well. Um, yeah. I think yeah, I think I think people will like it. I mean, I it's like I said it is. It's really different pacing is a lot. It's not it's not quite that you know, when I feel like Barry the Bride, like the, the second two thirds, you feel like you're on a roller coaster. It's so fanciful. This is a little bit more, you know, plotting and scary and yeah, and like very intimate. Doesn't have yeah, like this it, big uh, ensemble cast. It's just it's a very intimate portrait of some scary shit. So yeah, exciting. And and um, will you have a prominent role in in Little Bites? Um, I'll have about the same size type of part. I mean, it's really a, a lot of so. Barry the Bride is a very ensemble piece. We had, you know, we had a lot of there were several scenes where the entire cast, you know, was in the scene. Um, this again is much more of an. It's going to be an intimate portrait. So my. My screen time will probably be less, but everybody's except for, you know, the couple main characters are really people that come in and out of the story. 
But uh, you right. know, it's a it's right. a totally different part. It's a great part. Um, I think I'm working pretty much just with Chrissy in our scenes are together, and it's just it's really different. So, um, Spider and Chrissy in a in previous public um, discussions mentioned how Bury the Bride was all of you guys out in the desert, literally, kind of, I mean, in the environment you filmed in um, and living right. and working out there and how everybody got a little crazy. How how crazy did you feel out there? You know, it was just, well, you know, we shot the film in a week. So we were shooting a lot every day, which right there you're like, you know, there's this, energy and and pressure and we're all together like you know most of us were always together um in stuff and um and we were fighting <laughs> we were fighting the elements we had we had some some critter issues um so it was just like yeah it was kind of like a little bit running around crazy in the desert we'd have these you know intense winds that would just kick up every night and these absolutely gorgeous moons, but it was freezing and, you know, everybody's trying to keep each other warm and it was just, it was, um, so it worked, it worked so good for the movie because I think it brought us all together. Plus we all, a lot of us knew each other previously. Everybody in Bury the Bride, they either worked with Spider and Chrissy in something or I, or me. And so it, it made for like, you know, we all got out there. We we did a couple table reads. We all really hit it off, and then it was just kind of yeah, nine of us, ten of us with spider in the desert. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I think there's something great about that, so that nobody's distracted, and I think that focus um, comes through in the film. Um, yeah, you know, and yeah, it's it's like and and really. There are so many parts in this film where the intensity is bar none. I mean, it's like I can't think of very many other films that take you, you know, that hit quite that that note. And yeah. there it's are some super moments that are I mean, the suspense. Yeah, the, the suspense in the film is just it's cra- it gets yeah it, it does. I mean, it just keeps going and going and um, it is it's. Like I said, I, it always felt like a, a roller coaster to me. This movie because it's like the first, you know, third is like you're going up that hill, and you're getting to know these characters and getting to know the setting a little bit. You know, something, something is going to happen, and it's going to be crazy. And then pretty much from that moment on, you're just yeah, you're like doing, you know, loopy loops and going forwards and backwards and anything you can think of. Yeah. Do you, okay, now I'm going to go off the wall <laughs> from the desert and all that. Do you ever, um, have you ever thought about doing comedy? Is that anything that you have wanted to do? Well, I mean, I've done, I've done, I mean, Curb's comedy. Right. And I did another movie called Reboot Camp that came out, I think in 2021, um, comedy. So, I mean, I did, that's, pretty much what I've done is horror and comedy. Well, I thought the, the turn as the, the minister was, even though it wasn't, you know, it's soap opera and it wasn't written particularly right. as comedy. I, your timing and your character there and the way you presented, I thought was hilarious. 
So, yeah, Thank it, you. and that's kind of what was like, I could see you heading a sitcom or, you know, something like that with a character, you know, type role, um, you know. I don't know about, I mean, I've got another, I, I've got another movie coming out this year, um, later in the year, uh, called The Bell Keeper. It's, it's also a horror movie, but like in that one, I'm kind of the comic <laughs> well, so, I, I definitely can see it because you've got that timing down, and you know it's like it. Anyway, it just uh, think think that's really cool. Um, but looking out towards the next few years, <clears throat> and uh, whether it's a horror genre or not, um, if you could play a particular part or a person who exists, and you know, in a biopic, um, what would be your ideal part that you would? <laughs> well, this is how this is where I'm weird. So my ideal part is I, I, I want to play a serial killer, worse than anything. <laughs> um, Dexter, that's not weird. <laughs> like, yeah. No, so yeah, it's I out did, there. I, before I was acting on film and TV, while I was still, you know, kind of working. Um, well, before I could get arrested, really as an actor, I was I did theater stuff, and I ended up producing. Uh, this Lee Blessing play called Down the Road, and it's kind of it's more of a psychological thriller, but about um, a husband and wife writing team that goes to this prison uh, to interview this serial killer to write his biography or to write a biography on him. And um, and I played the, the serial killer, and and honestly, it's the most fun I've, I've probably ever had acting. I mean, I would just like skip off stage every night. I was this it's a really heavy, intense play, but I just had so much fun. Um and uh so yeah, that's that's kind of on my you know, my my bucket is, is to play, you know, to get to do a character like that on you know, on in a film or on on T V. Well, that would be awesome and they killed off Mark Myers essentially for good with Halloween, so the the space is open for uh, that kind of character. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I don't. I'm not quite the 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 giant, you know, masked killer type. Um, I'm 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 missing a few, probably a good foot, um, but uh, uh, of height. But yeah, I I uh, you know I I I just you know the serial killers are just so fascinating. They're so such you know interesting creatures or just you know, I did a ton of research and, and just, you know, playing somebody who's just void of of um you know, empathy and, and and you know feeling what what you're putting others through is just such an interesting experience. Yeah. Yeah, no definitely. Um, I do want to pivot on one thing. Um I do remember Watching you on Drag Race, you did um, some guest hosting there, and uh, one episode where you and your grandmother were on. And I know she passed recently. And I do want to offer condolences. Um, the, Thank you. The relationship you guys showed on camera was just so beautiful and wonderful, and um, so and she is just gorgeous. And um, yeah. anyway, um, so our heartfelt. Um, Condolences um, for that loss. Thank you. What What else do you have um, laid out in your future? 
that you're working on? It's like I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to ask that because I know it's like you have picked the most diverse things to be and to do. It's it's very exciting to to see what what's you. the next project. Yeah, I don't. I mean, like I said, the next thing I'm going to do is we're going to shoot this film in June, and um, and I don't know what will be after that yet. But that's kind of my immediate thing, and and then I've got this other film, the, the Bellkeeper, coming out. And and uh, and then you know you can still catch Barry the Bride on on Tubi. It's been doing great on there, and yeah, people that just seem to really be enjoying this film. I think if you're if you're a horror fan, uh, yeah, you're gonna just enjoy this. This is just a fun film. So yeah, it, that's, it's that's actually, what's going it, on. Yeah, it's classic horror with extra themes put on top of it um you know and just uh it it is it is unique in itself and 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 definitely if you like horror it's going to give you the thrills it will it will definitely hit hit all those marks what was it like doing the film festivals i know you went to the the panic Uh, yeah film horror film fest um it was it was great i mean you know we we ended up winning you know best of the fest at panic fest which was amazing um and that's just that's such a great festival they do such a good job there it was it was so much fun they took such good care of us uh so that was amazing and it was just a great experience to to watch the film in a theater with um you know in a full theater full of like horror fanatics it it was it was pretty amazing um and salem too was you know great festival uh salem is just such a cool town that my girlfriend came out uh a few days like you know in the beginning of the week before the festival and and so we just ended up having a great time in in salem and and um having a little you know vacay that we desperately needed uh and then and then doing the, the festival so they were both just great i i love you know doing those type of things yeah no it's and obviously the momentum was there um the film is available on tubi so check it out um not check it out watch it absorb it and actually i dare you to watch just a little bit and try to pull away because you won't be able to um it, <laughs> it will hook you early on and i can't wait for little bites um uh i think that that sounds equally exciting and it, again, it seems like it's got an overlay of meaning apart from just the the plot line itself, but um, deeper deeper roots into things. Um, Chaz, yeah. you're an absolute joy, and you're actually you, um, you a treasure for the community for everything you have, have done and lived so bravely, um, really playing it out so, you know, others can see it and be inspired. Um, we are down to our last few minutes here what haven't i asked you that we should talk about i don't know um i don't know we talk about you for a little while <laughs> well i'm i'm a, a fan and a writer and um if if you want to really hear about me you can google rob watson gay dad and all of my gay okay. dad articles over the past um 10 years will come up um 
in my fight for equality and same-sex marriage and, and really fighting for, you know, like you, um, my interest is the people coming up behind us and their well-being. And, you know, it's like the – I raised two kids out of foster care, um, you know, from babies to now 20-year-olds. And, you know, my efforts have been to make the world better for them and, you know, for awesome, for kids who do not cisgender and and straight and um, need to have the world be a safer place. Um, but yeah. uh, you've lived it. You've been there at, at our hardest times and have taken a lot on yourself. And I'm sure there's been kind of a tough skin that you've had to have around you for protection um, because it's not a nice world out there and you've taken it on. So, you know, yeah, my, it's, my it's, deep thanks and admiration. Thank you. Yeah, it's hard. I, I mean, I'm, I really worry about especially young trans kids right now, you know, and, and who are living in, in states where, um, you know, they're not going to be able to have gender affirming care. It's, just it's it's really a terrifying time it is and and we're out here giving our voices to stop it and that's that's the fight i'm i'm taking up absolutely and unfortunately we are out of time chaz you are invited back any any time you want can't wait to hear about the next project um and we'd love to have you on talk about those when those are ready um i want to thank brody levesque for his work um, again, it's the Los Angeles Blade magazine, losangelesblade.com. Read it every day. It has news articles fresh. They're originally done by top-notch journalism, and it just won 2023 um, GLAD Excellence in Journalism Award, which is not given out every year, but it was given out this year, and it was given to the L.A. Blade. Um, and for those of us that rated LGBT radio, We will be back again next week, and we can't wait to talk to you yet again. You've been listening to Rated LGBT Radio.